afternoon from wherever you are in the world this is the right on track podcast i'm connor but i am not joined alone i am joined by my wonderful friend parry say hello hello connor it's really weird doing this on the other end of a computer but i'm sure we'll get through it (laughs) yeah yeah we'll, 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 we'll get there eventually but this is not the only parry that, well, not parry, but Tom that we've got here. We've also got Tom Denham. Hello, my voice is being transmitted through a technological device and scattered into the air through a million pieces into the ears of our listeners. Well, well that's normally how the podcast is starting. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there, there, there's a few more steps this time. In um, a very different way. And you may have heard a laugh there from our guest host this episode. Mike, also known as the Berry Truck. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for having me on. Very, very honored to be here and uh, and coming to you live from, from the wonderful, magical realm of Canada Land. Aha, I was trying to place that accent. I love Canada. <laughs> no, it's, it's, a, it's a good place to be, I'll tell you that much. Uh, so, Perry, what episodes are we going to be reviewing today? Well, Connor, the episodes we're going to be reviewing today are Henry and the Elephant, Toad Stands By, and Bullseyes, all of which appear in Season 4 of Thomas the Tank Engine and Friends. And we should also say as well to Mike, congratulations on being our first international guest here on the podcast. Oh, what? this is an honour. I know. This is the highest honour ever. (laughs) A a, a thousand praises, a thousand praises. I'm not Uh, worthy. We would give you a badge if we could, but I haven't prepared one. Oh, yeah. that is all I need. I don't need a physical badge. I will just take the uh, the, the praise over the interwebs. Oh, good, good. I will blow you a kiss over the interwebs. Mwah. Oh, oh, catch it. Oh, I just caught it. Thank oh, you for that one. You're so welcome. <laughs> tuck that in the pocket for later. <laughs> so, so before we actually work on these episodes and review them one by one, very critically and totally seriously... <laughs> Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, Mike? Well, uh, people probably know me most for uh, being a story writer in the fandom. Uh, tend to write stuff for our good friend Carson Marenka. Uh, yeah. But also for others, I, I post a lot of free-to-adapt stories on my Twitter, uh, at The Buried Truck, for those interested parties. Uh, and beyond that, I tend to do some narrations here and there. Uh, people probably know me as a bit of an Ertle nut, so I'm always doing little little projects with the Ertles and uh, building things just for fun, just for you guys. Oh, that is so nice. I must ask, do you have a favorite Ertle model? Oh, man. Um, it's like choosing your favorite child, though. It, it really is, you know. Um, trying to think of this critically. I, I, I will admit the fault of Ertle that the scaling is just such a... <laughs> Yeah. It's a mystery. We all know. The elephant in the room. <laughs> hey, topical. Um, it's You know what? It's so weird. When I started building 
like the the scratch build buildings that I do, my benchmark was if I was building like a, a tunnel or something that engines had to go through or under, my benchmark was always will the Ertle Toby go through this without getting caught on anything? Because it's just so gargantuan. Yeah, that, that's, that's that's a good benchmark. <laughs> so I have I have now switched over. I'm mainly primarily doing just the uh, the narrow gauge engines. So yeah. I would have to say my favorite is probably I think it would have to be Rusty. Uh, Rusty's is oh, the best true. of the Ertl models. Also my favorite narrow gauge engine, but just I feel like they captured them so well. Uh, in the actual toy form. So, yeah, I would say Rusty is my pick. You're among friends here, Mike, because Connor and Denim both love Rusty ever so much. (laughs) Oh, I I knew I picked the right people to hang out with on a Sunday (laughs) night. This is perfect. (laughs) Oh, I'm I'm so happy. I love Rusty's (laughs) orange. He's so kind. (laughs) Can I just say, while we're on here, big ups to uh, Louis, Louis and Ricky, Thomas Tank Merch, for rescuing our our boy, our yes. season four boy, Rusty. Yes. Yes. For, for, for those that don't know, the actual model uh, of Rusty from season four is in preservation by fans. So amazing. Could not be it's in better huge. hands. I'm very happy for them. <sighs> yeah. Likewise. That's brilliant. So, uh, Mike, how long ago did you sort of become a Thomasaholic? Uh, Probably from the day I was born, <laughs> to right, be honest right. with you. Um, I um, The way I got into it was uh, my sister, who is a couple years older than me, um, she was actually celebrating her birthday while my mother was in the hospital uh, giving birth to me. Oh, and wow. my father bought just a bunch of things for her because he felt bad that you know, she was spending her birthday in the hospital, not what most kids want to do. Mm. Um, but one of those toys was an Ertl Thomas. And uh, that sort of got pushed to the wayside by her. But of course, when I first took notice of it, it was just, you know, it was love at first sight. What can I say? And ever since then, it was just it, it was really the only TV show, uh, the only books the only toys I wanted anything to do with everything else was just kind of like, you know, I'll watch it because Thomas isn't on right now, but I would much rather be watching Thomas, that kind of thing. Um, and then it was kind of, I drifted away from it a little bit as I think most of us do in our adolescent years and, uh, came back to it and it just kind of, I was, I was wanting to get into writing, uh, but I was having a bit of a tough time with like, do I start with a book do I go short stories? And then I just happened to uh, see an idea for a railway story. And I thought, you know what? Let's just try a Thomas story. Let's see. And it worked out and I've been doing it ever since. So that's uh, that's the road to being a Thomasaholic, I suppose. <laughs> I must ask, is there a favorite piece or story um, that you've written or that's received? Um... A lot of praise that's really i guess made you feel happy as a writer uh see i have i do like a lot of my stories for very different reasons um i would say what made me feel the the best about the stories that i've written 
uh, is when Carson and the rest of Video Workshops group and I, uh, when we put out the Richard stories last year. Um, yes, Richard. That was that was a big stepping stone because that was actually the first time I had ever worked with an original character. Everything I had written prior to that point, um, it wasn't like a rule that I had in place, but I just didn't really want to create a character of my own because Reverend Audrey's characters have so much to them already and mm -hmm. so much untapped potential that I was like, I, it wouldn't really make sense for me to make my own character because there's so much to work with with these existing ones. So when I started writing, it was more of um, I was trying to write quote unquote in between stories. So I think the first full volume I wrote was about Duncan first coming to the narrow gauge railway, which is basically the period in between trucks and home at last. Um, so just, you know, I wanted to fill in the gaps and stuff. So a, an original character was so far from my mind. And then Carson came along and said, hey, I've got this character called Richard. I really want to do something with them. Um, what do you think we can do? And so we spent a while working on the stories. Uh, it actually got me through a, a pretty huge bout of writer's block. So I'm thankful for that. Um, but just seeing like, I, I honestly did not expect and could not have anticipated how genuinely happy and excited people were about this character that we'd made. Um, I, I couldn't tell you what it is. It, it's still a bit of a mystery to me, but just seeing the outpouring of people who enjoyed the stories and enjoyed the character, that was that was a real special thing for me. It made me feel like, you know what, it's all it's really all worth it in the end. So mm. I would say the Richard stories have a very, very special place in my heart. And as a viewer and an audience member, I think what I really loved most about the Richard saga is seeing how guys like yourself and Carson have just owned it and made it a part of, I guess, uh, your idea and conception of the Thomas Law. So uh, massive kudos to you guys. Thank you very much. That's, that means a lot to hear, man. Yeah, I... I, I this may be like somewhere deep in Twitter, but I distinctly remember uh, Perry Denham and I all watching uh, the first part of the Henry saga um, uh, as we were supposed to be recording one time late at night, <laughs> and we were we were procrastinating as always. We needed a Thomas break. We 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 did. And yep, yep. De Denim went, oh, ha ha have you seen this yet? And I'm like, no. And Parry's like, no. And then we're like, we'll watch it. And then we watched it, and it was amazing. But, but Well, you know what? The, the funny thing about that premiere of, uh, of Henry's Bargain is we knew it was coming, but no one else knew what was coming. And so, like, being there for the premiere and watching the chat when the first shot of Richard comes up, just seeing everyone typing, who is this? Like, <laughs> just like so confused everyone thought we were doing like a world's strongest engine remake with henry and d261 uh and just to to see people be generally like genuinely thrown off and excited at what was being introduced like that was that was a real cool moment i gotta say yeah that's special that's brilliant well i i guess we should jump straight into the first episode and roll a clip uh now parry what clip are we going to be playing and from what episode oh the clip is going to be from the first episode we're covering today which is henry and the elephant and in this particular clip you'll be hearing 
the three tender engines talk to Percy about an exciting development on the island of Sodor. You look silly enough to be a clown. You should be in a circus. Oh, whistled Percy, so you've heard the news. What news? grunted Gordon. About the circus. Percy, what are you talking about? The circus has arrived, explained Percy. I've been shunting special trucks. The fat controller needs your help too. The engine soon forgot to be tired and cross. Until it was time for the circus to leave. Then Gordon and Henry were cross all over again when James got to pull the train away. So they should be mad because, you know, if someone else got to take a circus train away, I'd be mad too. Uh, Have you been to the circus before, Parry? I have actually been to the circus before. It was very... Very, I was very, very young. It was many years ago, and I laughed so hard I had an asthma attack. I, I've... <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> this is yeah. absolutely true. It's the only time... No, there's only one of only two times I've been to the circus, and, yeah, it just put me off going to the circus for life. <laughs> right, that's a fair <laughs> judgment. Like, fair, but then why are you mad that James is going to pull the circus train? Shouldn't you be glad that you're not coughing and wheezing? Shouldn't Um, you be concerned that he's going to have the asthma attack? It's James. He can deal with it. (laughs) I haven't really thought this through, have I? But anyhow, uh, Henry and the Elephant, uh, as you heard from the clip there, the circus has come to town. James has pulled the train away. And after he has, the Pet Controller approaches Henry and says there's a blockage in the tunnel. And guess which tunnel it is? It is the return of Henry's tunnel. Yes, for the first time since the first season of the show. I know, it is amazing. But before we get into all of this amazingness, Denim, give us a brief rundown. So basically what happens, the circus comes to town and the engines are befuddled by uh, all the excitement that comes with it. But as all things do, it very quickly comes and then uh, when the circus leaves, they leave an unexpected surprise for Henry in the tunnel he was once locked away. Yes. And, Mike, what is that uh, surprise? Well, you wouldn't believe it. That surprise is an escaped elephant from the circus. Wait, an elephant? An elephant! In the episode Henry and the Elephant? Who would have thought? I was banking on a zebra, personally, but, you know, (laughs) I'll take what they throw at me. Like, honestly, I was just thinking one very large caterpillar, and it turned out it wasn't a tunnel or, like, a a train tunnel. It was just, like, a caterpillar den. Oh, that would be nightmare fuel. (laughs) Yeah. If this giant caterpillar just started crawling out. I'm pretty sure there is a fan film out there made by um, Gavin Rose, um, and it does feature a giant caterpillar that uh, Gordon Squashes. Oh, yes, I remember that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay. But, but, like, I mean, this episode does have some horror elements in it. Boy, it's does not... it ever. Because yeah. Henry goes to the tunnel, and then all the workmen go in there, and then all of a sudden you get this, like, close-up shot of them in the tunnel, and this weird grey thing waving in front of them. You have them running away, and they go, we tried to dig the mound, but it's big, and it's alive! And it is so well done, and I love it. Um, but but yeah, uh, essentially, it turns out that big mound that's big and alive uh, when Henry goes to investigate is an elephant which escaped from the zoo. It it splashed Henry with a bit of a bucket water, 
and then uh, the elephant is returned, and that's the end of the episode. And then Henry tells all his friends in the shed about it. They do make fun of him, but he's comforted by the words of Thomas the Tank Engine. Of course. Which is another good point, because Thomas is in this episode, and he has appeared in a fair few uh, Season 4 episodes, but he's yet to be a main character. True. There's no Thomas-centric stories as of yet. That's right. I, I feel that is one thing that Season 4 does well, on how it has Thomas... But it, it, and Thomas still has sort of a powerful role in the episode because he's like at the very start of the episode, and then he has the final word of the episode. He doesn't contribute that much to the story, but he still feels like he belongs there. One niggle that I have with this episode, I love everything that is shot and this looks beautiful, but. The beginning where Thomas pulls into Ellsbridge and the fact controller says, you're right on really reliable, it feels very tacked on to what the original story was supposed to be. Mm. You know, I have an interesting thing about this because I think what they were going for is they were trying to frame it as if it was still taking place before any of the other Troublesome Engine stories. But exactly. it's completely it's completely undone by the fact that Percy is at, at Ellsbridge. He then yeah. talks to the big engines. Kind of undermines that whole thing. But well, it does. That is exactly the thing. So Parry, as a railway series expert, uh, um, I mean, yes, I am. But you know, <laughs> <laughs> um, wh- where is this story from? Okay, so Henry and the Elephant actually has its origins in Troublesome Engines, which was published very, very early on in the Railway series. I believe it was book number five, uh, published in 1950. And as Mike says, that was the very instance in which Percy was introduced to the Railway. And um, more to the point, actually, Henry being squirted by the Elephant was one of the reasons why the engines all decided to go on strike. And that's what led to, um, yeah, Percy being introduced to the railways. And, and, yeah, it's not until season four that we're witnessing this story. And as Mike says, the continuity is completely undone by the fact that we see Percy in the episode. And as well as that, if you actually look very carefully in the engine shed you can see duck in the background as well so there's really i had a feeling duck showed up too i was trying to remember that (laughs) yeah so when does this story take place who knows could be any time i I think it takes in place of the timeline of series four i think i just accept that (laughs) (laughs) yeah i guess it's in series four I, i would love it if like all they need to do is just, you know, sort of hide Duck, you know, mask him out, and then replace Percy with Edward. Yeah. And, 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 yeah. and, and then it'd work. But That's true. It's funny with this, like, trying to think of... Because you have to assume, if they're sticking to this 26-episode-per-season kind of rule that they have, hmm. uh, it, it's kind of... <laughs> I feel bad for this story, in a way. It's kind of a victim of its own existence, because... It's at the start of Troublesome Engines as a standalone thing. And then the next story in that book, Contenders and Turntables, you get what's happening to Gordon and James. And that's much easier to adapt. You get more action per episode. 
but in the order of season one, Henry's just kind of there with Gordon and James complaining. He isn't given a reason specifically. And I almost wonder if there's a way that I I feel like it would be way too much to pack into four minutes and 30 seconds, but to have Henry and the elephant Gordon's incident with the turntable and then James's incident with the turntable, if that could somehow all be packed into one nice little story, I think this whole thing could have been avoided. But in saying that, it definitely would have been, I, I think it would have been too much for one episode. It is interesting you mentioned that, Mike, because in one of the episodes we're going to be covering in uh, the coming weeks, hopefully, uh, which one is it? Paintbots and Queens. We see that um, Thomas and Gordon have formed their alliance and it very briefly like provides a summary of why the two of them are together. And they ha- if they had done something like that for Henry and the Elephants, I think it might have worked that way. Oh, yes, absolutely. Having said that, this is a very iconic episode for its time. Like, so many people go, oh, yeah, the story with Henry and the Elephant. And, and I and think it's so had a lot of merchandise in it. of it, yeah. Yeah, that yeah, too, yeah. that too. Despite it being very much a victim of its own existence, and it sort of being a forgotten season one relic in season four, it has got a ton of popularity. And... It's quite easy to see why, because it has got a circus, which everyone loves. It has Except got... Harry. <laughs> true, true, true. First time I went to the circus, I was terrified about the 15 people that all came out of the smallest car in the world. So <laughs> let's not get into it. But it's got some of the best dialogue because we get a very snooty Henry and a reference to him being locked up in the tunnel afraid of rain. Mm-hmm. And then Henry calls James a clown, which I absolutely adore. And it got me thinking on, is this a possible foreshadowing for cooling all engines? Mm. Because yeah. in the special cooling all engines, when all the engines are sleeping in their own places and they're terrified that they're all going to be scrapped, James has a nightmare that he's turned into a fairground attraction. And, and and I just love the idea that this is what triggered it. Like, like, Having said that, do you reckon that this is a kind of naughty throwback to Buzz Buzz? I was just going to say that. If we're going by the fact that it's supposed to be here in Season 4, if we're going by that continuity, maybe it's a callback to that with the red nose. I yeah, don't know. it could be. Yeah. It could be. Um, and, and like, I mean, the soundscapes in this are brilliant because you've got the squealing of trucks as they roll past the big engines when they're in the yard. You've got like the squeaky running footsteps of the workmen as they run out of the tunnel. It's very slapstick. It is very much so. That scene was a great source of trauma for me as a child. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Actually, if I if I can take a detour for a moment. Of course. Of um, course. So, of course, us North Americans, we got um, we got this episode on the Gallant Old Engine VHS. And I remember getting that, watching this, and I was completely fine with it up until that very scene of the cameras looking at the workmen in the tunnel and you see the elephant's trunk raise up with that horrifying elephant sound it makes, and then they all run out completely scared. I remember like hiding my eyes during that scene. 
uh, and I don't know why. I I had no issues with Ghost Train. I had no issues with Thomas Percy and the Dragon. For some reason, it was Henry and the Elephant that scared me. And uh, for those who uh, don't know the uh, the history of Canadian railways, I live not too far from a city called St. Thomas, which is in Ontario, Canada, uh, dubbed the Railway City of Canada, as a matter of fact. It's the site of a rather historic event where uh, Barnum and Bailey's Circus was coming through, and they had an elephant named Jumbo. I've, and... I've, I've got this note written down, actually. So... <laughs> you, you were one step ahead of me. It's brilliant. Um, continue on. Continue on. So the story goes that the circus was packing up. Uh, the elephants were all being led to their respective truck. Uh, or freight car for us North Americans, I suppose. And uh, out of nowhere came an engine who was shunting, and they had a direct collision with Jumbo the Elephant, uh, who did oh, not survive, no. unfortunately. Oh, um, but it is a bit of a legend because, uh, for some reason, St. Thomas has decided to immortalize this moment. There is actually, when you're driving into the town... Uh, there's a very high cliff, which has a lot of lot of foliage. You can't really see much. But towering over that top line of trees at the very top of the cliff, there is a giant statue of Dumbo. And... Dumbo or Jumbo? Jumbo, sorry. <laughs> Getting my <laughs> elephants mixed up. <laughs> <laughs> there's so many elephants to keep track of. Yeah. Um, yeah, sorry. Jumbo is up there on the cliff, and... Of course, it, you see it now and you think, oh, it's, it's just the elephant statue. But as a kid who has just watched Henry and the Elephant and is still a little bit traumatized, oh, no. uh, see, seeing that hulking elephant statue kind of makes you recoil in fear a little bit. <laughs> it would. Oh, so that's my you. personal anecdote. Oh, wow. I, actually, um, I'll, I'll add a little bit more to the story on how... It is said, uh, it was quoted by P.T. Barnum and then other witnesses, that what had happened was that uh, Jumbo, the largest elephant in P.T. Barnum's circus, uh, was about four metres tall or about 13.12 feet. Um, so stack two, you know, people on top of each other. Stack two, two denims. denims. Yeah, stack yeah. two denims on top of each other. <laughs> denim on denim. And um, that's a Canadian tuxedo for me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You'll get an idea of this elephant's height. Um, Was actually helping escort a little younger elephant called Tom Thumb. And what happened was then the um, the shunting engine came along and it hit little Tom Thumb. Oh no! Became derailed and then collided with Jumbo. And while Jumbo's um, initial injury was fatal, Tom Thumb only got away with a broken leg. Wow. I don't know why, but this brings up an interesting point in this episode on why is this elephant lost? Because, like, I mean, the elephant trainer comes to pick up the elephant from the tunnel. Like, I mean, was it lost initially when they were packing up? In which case they should have gone, hey, you know, there's a rogue elephant on the loose. What's this in the tunnel? Or has James like accidentally left, you know, the, 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 this 
elephant behind in the tunnel. Like, what yeah, is going on here? The truck was hidden. It, it, the truck was hidden. Perhaps. And I would love grown. to think that somehow it is James's fault, just because I, I enjoy <laughs> seeing seeing James go through some trouble. And, and it, it would feel like such a thing on him being so proud, you know? I'm pulling the circus train, and, and, and then all vanity of a blinds him. Yeah, and, and then all <laughs> of a sudden he he is like, you know, he gives a loud wish as he goes into the tunnel, and that causes, you know, the. the elephant to break out of his thing or whatever i like that hey 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 mike hey um, <laughs> no no note no, that idea down mm, um mm, <laughs> oh mm, mm, mm. Uh, <laughs> as he writes in his notepad <laughs> scribbling furiously <laughs> no 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 but but we actually um the the, the tunnel we're talking about this before we haven't seen henry's tunnel or balahoo tunnel since season one very true. Bala whose tunnel? Bala Henry's tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> Insert laugh track. I um, hope you guys are proud that you got me on now. <laughs> There's more I... where that came from. <laughs> Please. But but he, here's the thing, okay? We haven't seen this for three seasons. And we won't see it for a further three until season seven, Emily's New Coaches. Mm-hmm. And it's true. And it that, that's sad. I love Henry's Tunnel, and it looks I mean, so it makes good. it all the more special. Like, that that we don't see it? It's a, Isn't it appropriate that the gap between seeing it is three seasons? I, I, mm. For our boy, mm. number three. That yeah. is a good point. That is uh-huh. a good point. Uh-huh. I'll give you that. But, but Henry's Tunnel, okay? looks so good in season four it really it does. does in fairness all of season four looks great so it's not just henry's <laughs> tunnel true true, true. <laughs> I'll, I'll 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 give you that um but 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 yes um the henry's gone to the tunnel and then um after the workmen are angry that i i don't know whose idea or why it's an idea but they decide to use henry as a battering ram <laughs> to yeah. try and push this potential like mound of dirt out of the way and you can hear in um, Michael Angelis's narration as well there's this slight quiver in Henry's voice he's really nervous and you know, I imagine he's got PTSD about the whole incident as well from <laughs> oh, three yeah. seasons ago and, and like the thing is it is the same single birth tunnel that he was locked in so, so yeah. th- this is literally his nightmare now because I'm sure when he was trapped in the tunnel, he was going, what if this, like, caves in on me? And all of a sudden, Parvitz caved in, and he's been told that it's big and it's alive, which probably brought up more PTSD when he was there for such a long time. That <laughs> all those okay. imaginary things I thought up are true. Yeah, I, I, I know. It really is a nightmare for him. Uh, but then, for some reason, Henry goes into the tunnel, and then the elephant pushes him and two trucks out. Yeah. Now, please indulge me here, because in one corner we have got Henry, built in 1919, rebuilt in 1935, weighing in at 76 long tons with attractive effort of 116.2 kilonewtons, and in the other corner 
you've got the family of the Elephantidae family, the largest and heaviest animal on Earth, the escaped circus elephant, weighing in at 10.4 long tons with a max speed of 40 kilometers an hour, or 25 miles per hour. And the maximum push-pull strength of an African bush elephant okay, is about three to five tons. This elephant is not winning against Henry. We should put the John Cena theme in here. <laughs> you don't think I already have? <laughs> can't, can't you hear it right now? It's yes, punched in right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know what, Connor? This This brings up an interesting point because... Again, in one corner, you've got Jumbo the Elephant getting struck by a shunting engine and its freight cars. Yeah. And then you've got this elephant, who not only withstands being bumped, but then proceeds to push Henry back out of the tunnel. Which one is it? I think the elephants are messing with us. Yeah, they always have been. Like, like, like you've seen all the videos of elephants stealing people's phones or throwing them in the water. They know that because elephants have been proven to be very t intelligent, they're withholding their true power. They see us as inferior. That's there's no doubt about that. And, yeah. and, and, and it, it's like I, I can see why. Like, I mean, my nose isn't that big. I can't pick up stuff with my nose. I need to use these hands. <laughs> these human hands. I know. need to be thoroughly sanitized these days. Yeah. I, exactly. 20 seconds. <laughs> that That's the issue. But, yes. Um, there, there's a brilliant scene, actually, of the elephant squirting water on Henry, uh, getting the eye mechanism all wet. You can actually see the eyeballs have water on it. So that's, you know, interesting choice, but it works well. Um, that would have made me so nervous if I was on that set as a crew member. <laughs> yeah. oh, yeah. Please don't mess up the model. I'm nervous watching it. <laughs> Ever since Henry has had a wonky eye. <laughs> uh, now, now, Slightly you, jitters. Now, you see, this is actually um, the, the incident that uh, le led to his wheel splashes. Because they were there, um, but, but they got washed off. Oh. <laughs> I see. Elephant, elephant spray was too powerful. But like uh, most railway series stories, this is based on a true incident when um, in India, a wild elephant blocked a tunnel. There and, you go. And there's no more documentation on that. <laughs> so they don't elaborate on that. They just say an, an elephant blocked the tunnel. I know. that. That's why I was up last night until two in the morning learning the weight of an African bush elephant. Imagine if... <laughs> Imagine if they documented things like that today. It's like, and in other news, an elephant blocked a train tunnel. And now here's the weather with Georgie. <laughs> <laughs> the rest is a mystery. Yes. What about rankings, guys? Because I, I, I like this episode. It's beautiful. It's got a brilliant soundscape. It has got some wonderful uh, bits of dialogue. Um, it's got it, a big green boy got a big green boy it's got a few questions such as how is this elephant so immensely strong does sir topham hat own the circus since it's called topham's circus <laughs> but like it's got a few questions and why on earth is this episode here instead of in season four it could have been one. 
one, that one in season yeah. four instead of season one. Like it's got a few questions. I like it though. I'm gonna give it a seven point five. Okie dokie. Um, as for me, I, I do have some issues with this episode. I mean, it's quite long. There's a lot of filler there. Um, feels a little bit disjointed. Uh, and also, it there's a lots of limitations here, as there is throughout the um original run of the stop motion animation and the model figures they use. I think that um that could be improved upon slightly somehow. But um yeah it it's still nice. Like I, I enjoy it whenever it's on, so I'm gonna give it a six out of ten. Okay. Yeah it it's it, it is a nice episode and I do have fond memories of it as a child. I was always entertained by it. I love the rolling stock uh that's for the circus. I think the whole circus sequence beautiful and particularly the banter and uh the big engines it's nice to have it's felt like a long time since we've had an episode about henry so i i think it's worth celebrating that in general so for that reason i'm going to give it an okay mike i think i'm going to have to agree with mr tom perry on this one uh it it pains me to give a lower rating to a Henry episode because he is one of my favorites. But I I do have to agree. I have issues with the whole placement of the episode. I think Mm. they could have done a few more tweaks in the writing room to make it fit better as a standalone story. Um, That being said, though, I I do agree. The circus trucks are so fun to look at, and I wish they had actual toys made of those that were widely circulated because i would have bought those in a heartbeat um i do love the banter at the start with the big engines um again as scary as it was as a kid the elephant sequence is wonderful um but there there definitely is room for improvement so for that reason i will also be giving it a six out of ten and um, Mike brings up a lot of good points there because the music is also really good. And um, so yeah, watching <laughs> watching the circus trains go by and and the banter, as you mentioned as well. So you know, even though it's not one of my favorite episodes, there is a lot to enjoy. So yeah, and much like much like with the rest of series four, it's still a beautiful episode, no matter how you slice it. Mm-hmm. Um, there is actually, for anyone who's interested, there is a behind the scenes photo. From this episode, um, it shows Henry pushing the two trucks past. Oh, I don't remember the name of the location. It's the same, you know, the the curved track with the castle in the background that Duck and Stephanie oh, go yes. by and bolt out. Oh, yeah, yes. there's, there's a picture of Henry pushing the workmen past that. And I, I don't know, it just it makes me wish it was included because it's a really good shot. Yeah. yeah. OK. Uh, and what's the next episode we're going to be uh, covering, Denim? The next episode we're going to be covering is Toad Stands By. And in this episode, we meet none other than the malevolent, troublesome truck himself, Gruffy. Oliver had been to the works to be mended. Some troublesome trucks tricked him, and the Great Western engine fell into the turntable well. Now... Oliver was as good as new, but he was still worried about trucks. I'd rather not use them, he puffed to himself. But the trucks sang songs, rude and loud. Scruffy, their leader, led the chorus. 
Oliver's no use at all. Thinks he's very clever. Says that he can manage us. That's the best joke ever. When the yard is up so bad, with the grace is falling, we just push him down the well. Pop goes old Dolly. Thomas, Duck and Percy were shocked. Be quiet, they ordered. But they couldn't be everywhere, and everywhere they weren't, the trucks began again. Oh, there's no use at all. Thinks he's very clever. Says that he can manage us. That's the best joke ever. Like, can, can I just say, the wonderful harmonization of the troublesome trucks? It's great yeah. in this oh, one. I, I, I mean, the, the foolish freight cars. <laughs> yeah, actually, hey. um, that brings up a question there, Mike. Um, so being from Canada, are you more familiar with the Michael Angelis narration or the George Carlin narration? Uh, it was George Carlin all the way for me. Um, actually, weird, weird little fact. We have a station in Ontario here uh, that used to show... When I was a kid, you would see Thomas one of two ways. It was either on Shining Time Station on PBS... Or it was on this other station called TVO, and they didn't have the rights to Shining Time, but they could show individual Thomas episodes. So they'd schedule in like a five-minute block. And I remember one time, I turned it on, and they were playing the Michael Angelis narration of Tender Engines. Wow. And it was the only, the only time I have ever heard anyone but the American narrators actually on the show. Like It, it threw me for a loop. I was very confused, but... It wasn't off-putting by any means. I do like uh, Michael Angelis, but yeah, for me, the majority of it was uh, was George Carlin and later Alec Baldwin. Have you heard any of the French dubs at all, Mike? Yes, I vaguely remember. Wee oui. wee. Oui, wee oui. <laughs> wee. Oui, oui. Oh yes, <laughs> ah oui. Um, I, I do vaguely remember the French dubs, but. Not uh, not as much as the English. I, I do know they the French had a penchant for changing character names. Um, I know for a fact, I think Percy was Pierre. Uh, <laughs> Scarloe was uh, what was the French pronunciation? It was like Barnab or something like that. <laughs> I, I don't know where they got that from. And probably the most confusing is they changed Cranky into Felix for some reason. What? I don't I don't know why, but yeah, they they just thought that Cranky needed to be named Felix in French, so that was it. But he's got Cranky written on the side of his, you know, cab, so surely he'd be like Frankie <laughs> or something like that. No, 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 they 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 just got like Windows Paint up for their preferred paint program. And they, they, they just put like a red line, Felix underneath it. This is badly photoshopped in. Yeah, it's just it's just a child's handwriting, just Felix over top of it. Yeah. <laughs> Talking on that though, um, I do have to give credit to George Carlin because when I was little, um, one of the Thomas Wooden Railway sets came with a uh, VHS, and um, because Thomas Wooden Railway was uh, made in the states, um, I got a videotape with George Carlin on it. Um, there you so, go. Um, I think episodes like James Goes Buzz Buzz and Wrong Road distilled mm -hmm. in my mind. I can still hear George Carlin's voice, uh, but he does a great job. At the... I do have to say it, it is kind of interesting listening to all the different dubs. I feel like George Carlin actually was the best singer of the bunch. Um, yeah, I'll, I'd agree. I'll, I'll give you that. As much as I love Ringo Singh, <laughs> George Carlin singing is 
pretty dang good. It's very good. I mean, uh, this episode that we're talking about in particular, I mean, Michael Angelis is is going full uh, full (laughs) screamo on this one, basically. Um, (laughs) It's the most abstract singing I've ever heard. But very punk rock. Very yeah. punk rock. <laughs> yeah. He um, sounds like somebody who's had too many drinks in an East End pub and he's just doing, like, improvising Pop Goes the Weasel. <laughs> yeah, it's, it sounds like Britt called him up. He was out one night drinking and said, Michael, I'm sorry, we forgot to get you to record the song. Do you think you can do it? And he stumbles oh, in. Okay. <laughs> oh, Three sheets to the wind. It's, all right, I'll, I'll do the song. Whatever. Put it on. No, 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 it, it, it was actually because they forgot to record the song, um, they need to dub over it. So what happened is he had it, it's like, God, you guys should record this before. Producers <laughs> are no good at all. They think they're very clever. They want to record this bit. That's the best joke ever. <laughs> and, and, and the next day, they he, he woke up to a whole bunch of like, drunk dialings to all the other voice actors. Ringo is there going, well, what's this? George, George Carlin's already writing a script about the guy who, like, sung a song at him. Okay, I think we should definitely bring it back to the yes. um, story we are talking about. Uh, so, it is Toad Stands By, and this one is based on the story of the same name from Oliver the Western Engine, which was book number 24, published in 1969. And this is supposed to take place after the season three episode, Oliver Owns Up. But obviously, um, you know, they decided to delay it until season four, which is a strange choice because in Oliver Owns Up, it is said that Oliver never had an accident with trucks again. And in this very episode, mm-hmm. we do see an accident with a truck. Until then. <laughs> like, 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 I mean, I... To be fair, this was his only ever accident with a truck, according to the narration afterwards. Well, but we know that's not true either, because in season five, not to get yeah. pedantic, but um, <laughs> he has another accident with a lot of trucks in Oliver's Find. And in series seven. Series <laughs> I know, Captain Pedantic, that or Oliver. it is false, but... For uh, them, it was I, true. I'm so glad that you called yourself Pedantic. Um, Mike, are you able to give us a synopsis of this episode? Why, I would love nothing more than to do that, Mr. Jonas. So, as we have discussed, Oliver returns home from the works to the mockery of the trucks, led by the absolutely unruly S.C. Ruffy, or Scruffy. Uh, His faithful brake band Toad devises a plan that ends in Scruffy's strange demise, (laughs) to put it in, in that way, I guess. It's not really a demise, more of a heavy slap on the wrist. Oh, yes, sorry, I'm thinking of the Railway Series story. This is, uh, it's not so much a a demise as it is a a lesson in the TV version. In in, in kid land, no one ever gets hurt, luckily. (laughs) This is true, except for Smudger. Except for Smudger, and maybe the spiteful break fan. (laughs) <laughs> and, 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 and uh, Gordon's crew in uh, Bearview for Gordon. Um, oh, yes. And, 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 and Cranky. And, and I'm pretty sure a fair few of the horrid lorry drivers probably got hurt a bit. Right. Okay, off track. okay. okay. come on. Let's just... In TV put, land. 
<laughs> but, but, but yes, we are introduced to the foolish freight car's leader, Scruffy. Now, there have got to be hundreds of, of, of these trucks on Sojul. And they've got yes. one leader? Uh, this is just a leader, okay? So it's one of many leaders, but it's the leader of this Ricochet, particular... Ricochet, um... Fillet, Ope. <laughs> like, 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 I mean, They're all leaders. Have they got this, like, bureaucratic system where it's like, okay, uh, Fred, you're in charge Mondays, Tuesdays, uh, Scruffy... Okay. You're 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 over at the quarry, so you know you you can cause some hassle there. Like, like, I, I hate love... the quarry. <laughs> I would love for there to be an indignation meeting, but with the trucks. How does a troublesome truck become top dog? That's what I'd like to know. Is he a privately owned truck? Yes, he like is. Like Scruffy or Fred? Yeah, yeah, they they, oh, they oh. are privately owned. Does that mean that the Toppen service uh, circus cars are then also leaders? Because they're, they're too snooty. Owned. They're too snooty. Yeah. <laughs> no wonder James got to pull them. They don't want to get into any trouble. Um, <laughs> but, but, but yes, the trucks sing a wonderful song um, about Oliver's accident, which is the same tune as Pop Goes the Diesel from season two, which is the same... <laughs> tune of the nursery rhyme pop goes the weasel um and and my favorite part toad speaks mm-hmm. that's right mr oliver <laughs> toad and his murderous smile <laughs> <laughs> i've got a plan uh, mr truck sir i would like you to be a good friend of mine sir like i i i love Toad so much. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is the first time we hear him speak as well, because when we were introduced to him in season three, he didn't talk at all. He he, he didn't utter a word. That's and, right. And then this is the only time he speaks in season two, and then the next time we hear him speak is in season five. Have you guys seen the or heard the uh, American dub of this episode? I haven't. Yeah, because... I have. Because for some reason, I don't, I really don't know why, George Carlin gives Toad, like, a Mexican accent, almost. I'm worried, Mr. Douglas. This disrespect for engines. Where is it going to end? It's like, George is just really flexing the, the voice talents over there, I guess. Yeah, I, I didn't question I like it as a kid, um, but... Maybe, maybe he's been given that um, Spanish accent because he's usually at the southern end of a train. Ah, oh, touche. Ooh. Ah, yeah. <laughs> symbolism. Look at you, one large popcorn, please. Yes, hang on. But the, people don't know what we're referencing, Connor. True, true. Yeah. They um, might. Yeah, yeah. We've mentioned it before. We. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, we, Harry... we should we should probably mention for full context. We're recording this chat via Discord, and for some reason. Discord is linking to my WordPress account, and WordPress is what I use to run my film blog. So, yeah, that's why Connor has yes. made that um, <laughs> connection. Yes. Um, Pat, Pat Parry is a credited film critic, um, and he decides to spend that talent on Thomas the Tank Engine episodes. Best, best so, music. <laughs> um, <laughs> so <do. laughs> of course. 
Um, but yes. Um, and what, like, like Toad, okay? He seems like a nice, calm guy. And he seems to have one of the most violent ideas to pay it's out the, the calm trucks. ones. <laughs> I know. You never plan murders allowed. Never. Um, and, and this plan is to put all the trucks in a row and then have Scruffy right behind Toad so you can quote, uh, I, I quote here, give him a bump if he gets out of hand. Now, this actually has um, payback on Scruffy as when Toad goes to pull this uh, rake of cars, um, Scruffy tells all the other trucks to hold back. However, there's plenty of sand on the rails, which railway practice, it helps grip uh, engines to the rails. Oliver literally pulls Scruffy apart. Like, 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 he rips does. him into pieces. Yeah, he does. And I, I love in the UK narration how Michael Angelis, he has these <laughs> moans and wails as Scruffy's being pulled apart. It's like, oh, I don't like this. I'm oh, coming oh, apart! Oh, oh, do you like that? It's getting progressively yes. louder. <laughs> it's probably the most Yes. It's the most we've heard Angelus like scream. No, 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 no. We heard him scream <laughs> earlier in the episode when he was singing. Um, but ah, oh, true. <laughs> this is the episode where he's screaming. At the end of it, Fate Controller comes along and goes, "Oliver, you know, don't know your own strength. Eh, seems like this truck has got rotten frames and whatever. Scruffy is rebuilt. Um, says nothing at all now. Apparently, and." The trucks avoid playing tricks on Oliver now, um, and he rarely takes trucks anymore, apparently, which I think is quite a waste for a tank engine. Well, until the next season, but... True, true, true. Until... <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's, that's a story for story. another time. <laughs> um, but, yeah, this is... There's not much else to say about this episode. I mean, we've pretty much covered everything, but oh, it it um, it's it, just it, great. It's I memorable. love it. It's memorable. <laughs> I absolutely love it. Yes, it's very memorable. I yeah. only saw it like maybe two or three times as a kid, but just about every scene yeah. in that Lots has stuck of with me. But, so but, much violence. Yes, no, but but yeah. you, you mentioned you know the, the scenes on how this is very memorable. Nearly every scene you can remember when. Oliver's mm-hmm. going through the scrapyard when the trucks are singing, when you've got Thomas, Percy, and Duck all lined up. And, and that is such a beautiful little consist that we've only seen in All at Sea. It is so memorable, nearly every shot. Actually, interesting fact, they reuse the same line and recording of it twice in this episode. when. Oliver is talking to Percy, Duck, and Thomas, saying it's really my fault that they're teasing me. And then when Duck is uh, ridiculing Toad for coming up with such an idea, Oliver says the same thing, and it is actually the same recording. And if you listen very, very closely, you think you might just hear a cut. Is this just in the Michael mm. Angelus version? I, there you go. I, it may be in the Michael Angelus version because he does say it twice. I know that George Carlin says it twice too, but I think he says it different each time. I'm trying to remember. Yeah. He may have recorded it twice, but I 
I can see what you mean, though, mm. in the Angelus version. Like, 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 we've spoken about everything about this episode really quickly, but I think it's a really good one. Rankings. I was, I was going to say, one of the most interesting things to come out of this episode in the Thomas merchandise realm is that Scruffy is a very marketable character, yet he's only had one television appearance. It's pretty astounding. I, I never would have thought that so much merchandise... I mean, even seeing him in the... Um, wood range. Uh, the, the wood range, and also seeing his usage in the Thomas Creator Collective a few years back, too. Mm. Um, just the fact that they were marketing yeah. him so much in that. And it's a character that hasn't been on television since... 1995, 96. Yep. It's yep. kind of astounding. Re- first release. Same with yeah. Bullstrode, actually. You can say the it same is, thing yeah. for him, too. It, it, it is so weird. Like, I mean, I remember the latest uh, appearance of Scruffy, I, I remember, is a uh, set that came out 2015, 2016 with Ryan in the Dynamite cars. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Um, where Scruffy yeah. has been converted into an explosive truck. Um, yes, <laughs> we, we, which is actually oh, wow. quite fitting if you consider the accident in this episode. But um, fun fact for those unaware: uh, Scruffy or a truck very much like Scruffy is the reason for my uh, my Twitter handle uh, because in the fifth series we have put upon Percy, where uh, the trucks run away through the mine led by a truck wearing the same face as Scruffy, and I choose to believe it is him. Uh, and they get buried in the mine. And so there we have a, a buried truck. Uh, I like that theory. Right. I do like that theory. I, I never knew that about your name before, but that, <laughs> Mike, the buried truck, that is very... I like that. There's actually there's a particular, uh, a particular a behind-the-scenes shot. The scruffy truck in the mine after it's all collapsed and caved in. And he's just got this look on his face of, well, this is my life now. <laughs> and it just, that was like, I have to make that my username or something. That's too good. That's brilliant. Um, <laughs> so rankings. Okay. Um, I'm heading towards a nine out of 10. Whoa. Starting with big numbers already. Okay. Okay. Denim. 10. Mm. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I really love this episode. I think um, there is a lot to enjoy about it. It's very iconic. Um, it's a little bit grueling, uh, but it's fun as well. Yeah. Like, like, I mean, every scene in it is memorable. It's got some of the funniest, you know, dialogue and everything out there. Um, and really well detailed. Like, I mean, the way that they actually managed to rip mm-hmm. a truck apart. Brilliant. Uh, I'm going to give it a nine as well. Uh, I'm going to have to side with the nines here on this one. I think it's a very well shot episode. Uh, Scruffy's tragic scene at the end, of course, is very well shot. Uh, And I have to give kudos to the crew because we go from not seeing faces on every piece of rolling stock to literally every piece of rolling stock Mm. in this episode having a face. And I can't imagine that was a very very easy thing to do. I imagine it was very time consuming for them. It's probably why we don't see it too often. Lots of plasticine and blue tack. Tons of it. <laughs> like, 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 I mean, that, that shot at the start with all the trucks is, in the yard, oh. okay? 
That was half the season's budget. <laughs> that is, it's such an aesthetically pleasing thing to see all the trucks having faces. It really is. It is. I think the only thing that holds me back from giving this a 10, and it's such a nitpick, I know, but there is a line that's spoken, which is very clearly a railway series holdover, but doesn't make sense in the TV series, which is when Toad asks Douglas if he can stay and help Oliver. Yes. Because... Oh, because when you think about it in the TV series, Toad is always Oliver's brake van. But in the railway series, he asked to be Douglas's brake van. So I think uh, they they probably could have edited that one out. It always kind of confused me a little bit as a kid uh, prior to reading the railway series, of course. But uh, beyond that, uh, it's it's a fabulous episode. I really can't fault it for anything. Uh, yeah, nine out of ten for me. Uh, to further um, Mike's point there, this is like a really long kind of story. Like they sort of like um, stretched it out quite a bit, and it's really mm-hmm. quite some time before you get to that action scene there. So yeah, that's why I'm leaning more towards a nine out of ten than a ten out of ten. Okay, fair enough. Um, now, Denim, what is our musical interlude uh, today? Welcome. I'm glad you asked. We're doing something very special because this is our 30th episode. We're having a little mini celebration and we're playing the first ever song that we uh, played in our musical instrument, which is We Are the Troublesome Trucks by Chris Ford's. Punk rock version. Yeah, ramp it up a little. around and not expect us to fight back yeah we're pretty strong alone but we're stronger when together in a pack we help run this island too but the engines are quick to forget they pass us off as useless nuisances let's make sure they never forget We work as hard as all you schmucks We strive to be really useful too But make us mad and you'll see what we can do Trucks will run the engines off the line. They don't care how big they are to them. 
the game Those trolls and trunks will get them all the same And that was We Are the Troublesome Trucks, the punk rock version by Christian Cordes on the Right on Tracks podcast. Ooh, so that's how, that was a good radio voice there, Mike. That's perfect. That's, that's my 4 a.m. radio announcement. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Right on Track podcast, smooth jazz. <laughs> I was going to say you can hear the smooth jazz in the background, can't you? Uh, but... Anybody in the Ontario area is looking for a radio presenter. I mean, get in touch with Mike because, you know, that oh, was yeah. just brilliant. It was brilliant. Um, <laughs> now, Denim, you mentioned something before. I did. Um, on how this is our 30th episode. It is. And we're, and we're hanging up the bunting. We're having a little party. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I, I've got tons of party poppers here, actually. Um, oh, not like the one we had last. No, no, no. Last. <laughs> it, these are store. These are store-bought party poppers, not your homemade oh, Christmas crackers. Here, I'll pop one off away from the mic. There oh! we go. Fantastic. And um, yes, we have recorded thirty episodes of Right on Track. Um, and I, I, I did tons of calculations right now. Uh, right now for us uh which um i'll quickly go through before we start so uh we are the troublesome trucks was the very first song we ever played in a musical interlude uh which was during episode two which was also when parry joined the pod and and like i mean you fitted right in from the very start brilliant like a hands were gloved um in that time we have, and not including what we are recording right now, we've recorded 29 hours, 11 minutes, and 5 seconds of the podcast for, for all of you guys out there to listen to. Which means... That's a lot of material. <laughs> it, it, over a day. Like, I mean, this is perfect locked down listen to right now. And that is amazing. Um... We have had over 12,000 downloads of our podcast. Thank you very much to everyone who has listened. We're very grateful. Yes. Um, and at the end of this episode, we would have reviewed 99 episodes of Thomas and Friends, or we would have reviewed a total of 7 hours, 25 minutes, and 30 seconds of content. So, like, like I mean, ra- round of applause guys Uh, hats off to you guys you're doing a fantastic job thank thank you you. very much thank you thank you 
Uh, b- before uh, we start to resemble James with our ego, <laughs> I feel we need to jump into the final episode we're reviewing today, which is Parry. Uh, that episode, Connor, is Bullseyes. And in the clip you're about to hear, we have a constable of the law having a chat with Daisy the Diesel Railcar about a bull. At the next station, a policeman was waiting. There's a bull on the line, he warned. Please persuade it to return to the farmer. Daisy was excited. Now, she thought, I'll show Toby how to manage bulls. Champion isn't really a fierce bull, but this morning he was cross. He'd strayed from his field, crashed through a fence, slithered down a slope, and now he didn't know where he was. Suddenly, he saw some grass. Now for my breakfast, he thought. I feel sorry for Champion the Bull. I, 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 oh, really? I'm, I'm saying it right now off the bat, okay? Champion did nothing because... wrong. I know, I know. Champion is the champion of the people. Okay? He is a representative of all that is horrible with diesels. On how they are snooty and they are rude and they stop you from having your breakfast okay it 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 it, it's terrible it's terrible but but before i go on a ridiculous rant parry give a synopsis of the episode okay bullseyes is taken from a story from branchline engines no less all the way back in book number 16 of the railway series first published in 1961 and it is the third story of the book, and it comes just after Daisy is introduced to Thomas's branch line. And at the very beginning of this episode, we do uh, have a discussion between Daisy and Toby, which seems really out of place, but it helps to sort of justify the conflict of the story. And then, of course, Daisy comes across Champion the Bull, who's not usually a fierce bull, but on this particular morning, he's very cross. And Daisy tries to shoo him away, motion him back into his field, and Champion just won't go. And then when he comes to sniff Daisy's face, she says, right, I'm having enough of that, and cowardly backs away, and it's left to Toby to, yeah, whoosh Champion back to the farmer's arms. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Now, what's interesting with the three three episodes that we're covering today is they all really should belong in other seasons. <laughs> they do. Well, yeah. this is the interesting yeah. thing, though. In in looking into these episodes, particularly that we're reviewing, this is the only episode that I think actually works outside of the narrative it was meant for. Because you do have that conversation between Daisy and Toby at the start, but it doesn't really reference any of the past events from the other branch line engine stories it works really well as a standalone without having to rely on you know the events of the book that it's actually a part of and they didn't really have to even in branch line engines itself it wasn't strongly connected to the other stories around it so they didn't really even have to change much to make it work as just a good standalone story i would agree with that that is a very good point mike my only counter argument is at the end of um, 
what's the episode with Percy and the accident? Or Woolly Bear? Uh, Percy's predicament. Percy's predicament. Ah, I was going to say promise, but predicament. What happens is it says that Daisy's, you know, been getting me as well. She even scared away a, a cow by herself the other day. That is true. And at that point, we have had no reference whatsoever to Actually, Daisy yes, we have. Oh, hold on. Just hold back a bit, because in that very same episode, it says at the very beginning that Daisy was frightened by cows. Yes, I was about to say that, yeah. As a a bit of a shoehorn, yes. (laughs) I'll give you that. That is fair. But I I feel that out-of-place dialogue in Season 2 would have all been fixed if this episode was there in between Daisy and Percy's predicament. I agree. And it's not because, you know, they had a lack of budget or anything like that. It's pretty easy to stick a cow on a railway line. They had cows. Yes, and they did it in the very first episode of the second series. So, you know, there was nothing really stopping them. But with that said, with that said, you have the Mm -hmm. gorgeous scenery of season four here. And I, I, I don't know what it is, but this particular track that they've made, and I think they've made this location specifically for this story, how you've got... Daisy coming out of the tunnel, then you've got the the what sort of like the hills either side of the track with the um, fences up top. Everything's so lush and green, you know. It, if it, I'm actually quite happy this story's in season four. To be in honest, in addition to that, I think one thing that really does this story justice is the series four music. Mm-hmm. Oh yes, I think uh, the music cues that are exclusive to this episode really. Uh, sing it through. That said, though, they still have um, the CD electronic music for Daisy's Fever. <laughs> I like that they've retained that. Yeah. The the as we uh, dubbed it and will henceforth call it, Daisy's so-called stripper music, <laughs> <laughs> which it does sound like that. It does. Um, but there there is some very nice subtlety to. Uh, this episode, but I feel that we need to go through it in order to actually uh, reach it. So at the start of the episode, you have got Toby and Daisy arguing, which you said was out of place, Parry. Well, yeah, because there's really, even before now, there was really no sense that there was any conflict between Daisy and Toby and that she wasn't prejudiced against him in any way. And so it's just kind of like, Here's Toby. Now here's Daisy looking rather angry and she's got a grudge against Toby. I've never understood that. I I, I wouldn't say it's a grudge, but what it seems to be is that um, Toby has got side plates, which was the very reason that he was purchased, because it is to protect anything on the line, such as people, vehicles or cattle. Uh, from being hurt or being dragged underneath a passing engine, which would be very, very painful for the victim of the hit and run. But Daisy seems to take this to be that Toby's just scared of being hurt by, like, a bull. And it's like, oh, no need to be scared, Toby. You know, just I'll blow my horn and, you know, scare them away. By the way, what are your thoughts... And buried truck. Um, how is your narration of Daisy's? My narration of Daisy's voice, personally, like 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 the 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 narrations that you've heard. What kind of Daisy have you got? We have the um, how would I describe George Carlin's Daisy? 
Um, it's very, um, God, what would be the right word to describe it as? It's, I'm Daisy, the diesel rail car. Like that, you know, that kind of sass to it. It's got a lot of, uh, you know, that that's his typical Daisy. And that's that's how I envision her. The sultriness. The, oh, yes. yes. And, and, and like, I mean, Ringo Starr had very much the same thing. And this is the first time we hear Angelus do Daisy as well. The, the, the only time we hear Angelus mm-hmm. do Daisy's uh, narration. And he hasn't got that sort of sultriness which defines Daisy. Mm-hmm. That's a note I've got written here. I want sultry Daisy voice. <laughs> okay? I'll do a redub just for you. Thank you, Denim. There we go. That's it. Daisy Denim do. So... <laughs> Um, Daisy <laughs> then continues on her day, feeling high and mighty about how she can just toot her horn and then the sea parts for her. And then she comes across the policeman who says there is a cow on a line and it describes the scenario with Champion, who woke up on the wrong side of the barn, broke a fence, slithered down a hill and was now lost. And now Daisy wants to show uh, how powerful she is and tries and, and, and i love this bit here before said that she'd just stare the bull right in the eyes and blow her horn except the bull isn't wanting to look at her and she's very annoyed that this bull is not looking at her this is all wrong and, and <laughs> he has got some of the best dialogue with this line saying you know he's harmless i know he's harmless but, but but does he know he's harmless? I mean, look at his horns. He could hurt himself. <laughs> he, he, he could hurt me. I mean, them. If he hit me. This, this is why the Reverend succeeds on so many levels as a writer, because he's got, he finds a way to weave humor into a lot of these situations mm. that very quickly can turn into a dangerous situation for the character. Yeah. It's just, I love the interaction. Here's actually the amazing thing here on how that line there actually clearly shows her understanding of side place. Going, you know, I know he's harmless, you know he's harmless, but does he know he's harmless? Mm-hmm. Because if a bull sees a locomotive and wants to charge at it, the bull is going to lose. But the bull believes that it is strong enough to take on an engine, which mm-hmm. is the very reason why side plates exist. Which means that... In that one line there, does he know he's harmless, illustrates the uh, importance of side plates without even making it obvious. That's true. I never thought about that before, actually. That's a very good point. And I love it. But um, yes, Daisy runs away from Champion the Bull. Uh, Toby deals with Champion. Daisy has an interaction with some boys at the end of the day who tease her and... Then she says, keep your own bull's eyes. And then she goes to her own shed mm. at, at a wonderful sort of dusk setting. The, the, the Farquhar branch looks so good in season four. I wish we saw more of it. Oh, it really does. I agree. I mm. agree. I have to ask, uh, maybe this is just from me being where I am in the world, but are, are bullseyes an actual sort of candy or sweet that you guys have in Australia or your part of the world? Yeah, I've had them before. I've never heard of them. 
what what are they? Are they just supposed to be like like jelly beans of some sort, or they're they're hard boiled sweet, and I believe they have a kind of like aniseed uh, taste, and they're almost oh, like a humbug. Okay. okay, if you imagine that, yeah, it's a very English thing. <laughs> Naturally, so we have got some sadness in this episode, which is this is the last time we see Daisy until cooling all engines in 2005, 10 years after this episode was released in 1995. Her last speaking role until the special Sodor's Legend of the Lost Treasure in 2015, 20 years after the release of this episode, and the last time that she was a main character until the uh, 20th series episode, Ryan and Daisy. Uh, released in 2016. It hurts. Uh, it, it really hurts. Got a long way. <laughs> no, I know. Well. <laughs> what? What? You know what hurts more though? We haven't seen Boko since season five. If you, yeah. if you, if you ask me, that's not a huge lot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it, it, it is for me. It is for me. Daisy is such a, a fantastic character, and I'm genuinely shocked that she wasn't used more in the classic series. I mean, I don't know if you guys are aware. We they didn't even show her episodes in Shining Time Station for us. Her two episodes yeah, in series two were the only episodes that didn't get shown on Shining Time Station for some reason. What? That is right. Yeah. So the only way I could watch it's it weird, was yeah. the VHS tapes. See, Daisy, uh, as mean as she is, she has been pushed down. So far, I will not stand for this bullying of Daisy the Diesel Rail. I stand with you. I completely stand with you. Now, now, this episode excels in a lot of things, but I think one thing it excels in a lot is actually its comedic music. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it is my favorite part when Champion the Bull finally stares Daisy right in the eye. You get this sort of would it be a Spanish-Mexican confrontational mm-hmm, music? Mm-hmm. This is the brilliance of Mike and Junior. Yeah. Is they, they've managed to soundtrack the scene in a way that it sounds like the most hilarious bullfight that you are ever going to witness. Like, like, like yeah. it's Daisy versus Champion. In one corner, you've got Daisy, built in 1960. Said she was built in 1970 with a max speed of 113 kilometers an hour. And Champion, owned by Farmer Finney, weighing in at 1,300 kilograms. And... Oh, D- Daisy's <laughs> run away. Oh. I was about to say, put in the John Cena theme again, but... <laughs> Yeah, champion deserves the John Cena thing. Um, I echo Connor's sentiments though, because the use of like the Spanish guitar and the trumpet there, so like the bullfighting music, it's just wonderful. And then of course we've got that classic "Good, the Bad, and the Ugly" riff that we hear again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I especially love the music, both when Daisy runs away, when she's scuttling to her shed. How they've got the like the rousing um, fanfare there. That that's just brilliant. It's- <laughs> Fantastic. It's a brilliant episode. It's the most heroic running away music I've ever heard. Like, like, like I mean, <laughs> it, 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 it's not retreating, it's advancing in the other direction. Yeah? Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's it. That's it. While we're on the topic of, uh, on the topic of sounds, uh, for our American listeners or North American listeners, uh, I think we all appreciated the fact that George Carlin toned down his mooing 
uh, in this episode, because if you've ever listened to the U.S. narration of A Cow on the Line, um, I don't even know how to describe it. Ringo's is a very sad, like, moo. That's exactly it. You feel feel sad for Bluebell. George Carlin makes this (laughs) otherworldly sound. That just, I, I almost feel like you should drop in a clip here just so everyone gets context. Whoa, Gordon, he said and shut off steam. Huh, said Gordon, it's only a cow. Shoo, shoo. He moved slowly onto the bridge, but the cow wouldn't shoo. She had lost her calf and felt lonely. She said sadly. But it's just, it sounds like a demon is escaping out of him <laughs> as he's trying to voice this cow. So I can tell you that going back and listening to Bullseyes now, uh, very he, he made it very subtle as opposed to the absolute horror that it was you, in you, season you two. See, you say that. Michael Angelus, okay? I, I was disappointed in Michael Angelus having a terrible Daisy voice. I'm even more disappointed because he didn't even do a cow sound for Champion the Bull. They edited in cow sounds. Oh. That, that's, here we go. George Carlin like going the in, extra mile. At this point, I'm tempted to watch the US dubs for the rest of these. Because it, it, if Michelangelo, <laughs> as much as I love his James, okay, if he's not putting mm-hmm. in that extra effort to be a cow... Or a sultry diesel. I I, I I don't know why I bother. Honestly. Well, actually, talking of Michael Angelus and his really poor efforts at animals, the one that always gets me is the fifth series episode, Gordon and the Gremlin, how he voices the Dalmatian. <laughs> and it's just, a oh, woof, woof. Yeah. Oh, woof. <laughs> it's the best part about it. I have to wonder with Michael Angelus because... You know, that you see all these instances of kind of low effort narration, low effort animal sound effects, or in the case of this episode, mm. no effort animal sound effects. <laughs> and then you skip ahead to Thomas and the jet engine, and he just sounds like he is joyous beyond belief. He's so excited. He's got so much enthusiasm. Yes. It's, it, he's having a fantastic <laughs> time. It's I look forward to that one. Oh, yeah, we... we... We've only got how long till we reach it? More than a season. So we've got another... So season six, we're looking at at least 12 episodes before we reach that one. Okay, so we'll be at like 36 (laughs) hours. 38 hours. That'll be fun. (sighs) But rankings for this episode, guys. Okie dokie. So bullseyes. um, Let's go with 7 out of 10. Seven out of ten. I'm gonna go with an eight. That music sells it for me. That leaves denim. Seven point five. Ooh, Mike. Yeah. I'm giving it a ten. A ten. Oh. A ten. A ten. I will say this is my favorite standard gauge episode of series four. Um, I think if it had been in any other season, it probably would have been my one of my top favorites but of course because you have the narrow gauge episodes uh overall it's lower but if we're talking just the standard gauge episodes bullseyes is my favorite of season four it's such a beautiful episode in terms of the scenery 
uh the the music of course is just spot on kudos again to mike and jr for their work on this one and it just it in again in contrast to the other adaptations of uh series four episodes that were meant for other seasons uh it just it works so well as a standalone story i think they really did a good job on this one and it's got Daisy. You can't fault it. I know? know. I, I, yeah. I, I. In fact, I'm gonna bump up my score to a nine. You, you've there so, we you've go. sold it even oh. more for me, Mike. <laughs> but that's brilliant. But I'm afraid that brings us to the end of our thirtieth episode of Right on Track here with Mike or the Buried Truck. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much for having me on. It's a, an honor to be on the podcast. I really enjoy listening to what you guys do. You know, congratulations on 30. Here's to many more. Thank you. Is there anything that you would like to plug before you go? Uh, you can follow me on social media, The Buried Truck. Uh, I, again, post stories all the time or as much as I can. And most, if not all, are free to adapt if anyone is in the uh, business of filmmaking. So feel free have a peruse i sometimes i'm even funny and maybe you'll have a laugh <laughs> and after you have done following mike on his social media you can follow us on twitter as well at right on track also check us out on our official facebook page which is facebook.com forward slash right on track thomas podcast and we're also on instagram and denim we've got a new instagram handle we do indeed it is sin underscore right on track yes you can also find us on the sin website syn.org.au forward slash right on track and of course there's always our podcast which you can check out via spotify and itunes chances are you right now you are right now and of course there's um our official podcast page which is omni.fm forward slash shows forward slash right on track there we are we thank you so much for listening and we uh hope you are doing well in these precarious times stay safe stay hygienic and we will hear from you again very soon i'm still connor i'm still parry i'm still denim I'm still Mike. (laughs) Hey, this has been the Right on Track podcast. Thank you, guys. See ya. See you later. Thanks, everyone.